0: Laura is going to come and she's going to finish um, our series. We've been talking about who are we becoming. We've been talking about um, becoming a community, a generous community, a spirit-filled community and a worshipping community. Um, We've been looking at the passage in Acts where the early church met in big groups and in small groups. And this morning, um, Laura, who coordinates and oversees all of our life groups here, um, is just going to share with us a little bit more about what it is to be in a small group, about why that's so important, why that's so powerful and so precious. And so why don't you firstly welcome her. (laughs) <laughs> and, and then why don't I pray for her as she um, shares with us this morning so Father we thank you for Laura we thank you for all that she is and all that she brings to us we thank you for her heart and her passion for you and her heart and her passion for people and we pray that as she shared with us this morning Lord we want to receive all the words that you want to give to us we want to open our hearts we want to pray that you give Laura words to challenge us and to encourage us and to inspire us in Jesus name, Amen
1: Amen. Well, hi everybody. It's so nice to be here, all the way from Sponmore. Um Yes. So, as Nigel said, we are. Um, we've talked about this series: who are we becoming? And we've talked about how to be a generous community. And we've talked last week um, about how to be compassionate and spirit-filled um, community. And today, um, we're kind of talking. Um, a bit. Well, I'm going to come back to that one about a worshiping community. Um, but when we talk about worship, it's not just the 30 minutes that we spend on a Sunday morning singing corporately um, to God, though that, of course, is a part of it. Um, and it always makes me think when I think of lifestyle as um, worship as lifestyle and lifestyle as worship um, when we used to speak to Michael's grandmother and she would say if we talked to her on a Sunday did you go to worship today and she didn't mean did you go and sing she meant did you go to church did you um, go and be present with God and those around you Um, So this morning we've done that, we've sung and we've connected with people on a bigger scale Um, and it wasn't just the beautiful song worship, Um, I know you think I might be biased but I'm definitely not Um, and today we're going to talk about worship as a lifestyle, how we work out our lives of worship as a community of believers who are purposefully trying to draw closer to Jesus and I think that's so key at this time, like we are purposefully trying to do that. Life is so busy and before we know it sometimes that the end of the week is here and I think, oh what have I done this week that has helped me draw purposefully closer to Jesus? So in this case um, we're going to specifically look at life groups as a tool that help us do just that. So if we look at this quote again, um, who you're becoming is far more important than what you're doing and yet It's what you're doing that's determining who you're becoming. So as we're thinking about these things, I want you to think about this in terms of meeting together outside of church. So to get us started, um, I have, um, where is it? Oh, just got a little video. um, A
2: small, so it's getting into your business. For you to have
1: a look at. So if we can restart it, we're just going to have a little video that highlights some of the um, key things about life groups.
2: Are you tired of small groups always getting into your business, trying to get you to share your feelings, discuss your past, confess your sins? Are you just looking for a place to kick it, network, maybe get some free grub? Me too. That's why I created what I believe to be the world's first openly shallow small group. We're not here to deal with messy stuff like feelings and emotions. You got problems? You deal with that. You're an adult. Life ain't easy. So stop the pity party. We all have our issues. We don't really want to do life together. Frankly, it's Shallow Small Group, we try not to do much of anything at all. You'll never hear us use the term unpack that thought. We're sure it's packed away for a really good reason. And You'll never hear us use the term accountability unless you're talking about someone who deals with numbers. Hey, dude, thanks for doing my taxes. You have great accountability. And spiritual growth? Who wants growth? I had a growth removed last week. It wasn't pleasant. There's no pressure here to remember each other's names. What's going on, buddy? Oh, hey, man. How's it going? That's cool, yeah. Oh, dude. Captain, what's going on? We know you have a name, and that's the important thing. Group discussion? You got tickets to the big game? Sweet. Let's spend some time on that. Oh. Last week. You and your wife are struggling financially. There's tension in the relationship. Uh, That's not really the vibe we're going for. We avoid conflict like the plague. Who wants cake? Come on and get it! And there will never, ever be an awkward silence. That's our guarantee to you. We hate bad theology as much as the next guy. And we know the surest way to prevent bad theology is to avoid theology altogether. And outreach? This is the only outreach you'll ever have to do. Some people say we're superficial. But hey, the word super isn't superficial. I mean, who doesn't want to be super? Shallow small group. Because when things get too deep, people drown. Won't you join us?
1: There you go, and uh, I'm, unfortunately that life group won't be available to sign up for at the end. So, of course, this is the antithesis to the kind of values we hold life groups to have here at WinVin, so we do want it to be a place where we can unpack theology, plan outreach, share our questions and our feelings, and today we're going to look at why that's so important, in becoming a community that worships Jesus with our whole lives. Um, John Wimber said that Life groups, yeah, here we go. Um life groups are deep in a threefold commitment to, to Christ, the church and the cause. Actually he didn't, he said small groups, but it turns out there's a lot of words that mean the same thing. What was your first small group called? I've put a selection up here. I wonder if I'm missing any. We've got life group, kinship, link groups, home groups, cell groups, care groups, affinity, small, connect, formation. Anyone have anything else that they didn't see up here? Task, yeah, task groups, yeah. So the first one I ever went to was a home group, but in this case, a rose by all other names definitely do smell as sweet to the Lord and to the church so I want to kind of outline the benefits of life groups and why we think they're the key to growing inwardly, outwardly and upwardly. So we can see where Wimber may have come up with this. When we look at the same Bible passage we've been looking at now all year, uh, which is to say the last three weeks. Um, <laughs> and we're going to look at it again. Um, and I want to focus on the last bits, um, which I think gives out the model for... Um, Life groups, and I'm actually not going to read it in this translation. Um, I'm going to go for it in the Passion Translation. So, um, every believer was faithfully devoted to the teachings of the apostles. Their hearts were mutually linked to one another, sharing communion and coming together regularly for prayer. A deep sense of holy awe swept over everyone, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers were in fellowship as one body, and they shared with one another whatever they had. Out of generosity, they even sold their assets to distribute the proceeds to those who were in need among them. Daily, they met together in the temple courts and in one another's homes to celebrate communion. They shared meals together with joyful hearts and tender humility. They were continually filled with praises to God, enjoying the favour of all the people, And the Lord kept adding to their number daily those who were coming to life. What stands out to you in that passage? For me, it's the phrases uh, that say their hearts were mutually linked to one another um, and they came together regularly for prayer. And also that meeting in one another's home, sharing communion and meals together with joyful hearts and tender humility. I really like the part that says they enjoyed the favour of all the people, not just Christians, but all of the people around them. And also that the Lord kept adding to their number daily, those who were being saved. Well, that would be nice, wouldn't it? Actually, that's more than nice. That's our heart's cry. And what we want to see is we are scattered servants bringing our communities into life. There's a lot about the early church that seems amazing when we read about it. And there's a part of us that might think, well, that happened then. I don't really see a lot of evidence happening uh, happening now. But I think that life group is one of those places that we can recreate today um, what was going on then. And we're going to come back to that later on with a chance for some reflection and planning. Um, So life groups encourage us to grow upwards in our relationship with Jesus as we use them to provide a time and space in the week to connect with other people who are on the same journey and fighting similar battles. First, personal discovery happens in small groups better than large groups for a number of reasons. You can then ask questions, involve yourselves in the lives of others, and generally make yourself vulnerable among other people who are doing the same things. So lots of people say, well, I go to church, that's probably okay. But some of this stuff you just can't do in sermons. There's no conversation, there's no feedback, no chance to ask questions or challenge uh, Nigel or Paul or Joe or even myself, whoever's doing the talk about what you think. Or if you have a question, you're not really clear on one of the things they say. Spiritual growth growth happens better in community with open lines of communication and freedom to speak into one another's lives. Those of you with older children or who have parented um, children know how important a group of um, friends can be to your teenager's growth as a person. And actually, it doesn't change much when you're grown-up. Um, I have heard of a study recently, and I looked it up online, Um it said that if you put on weight or if a friend puts on weight, you are more likely to put on weight. And I was like, wow, that's a bad study. So I looked it up and it's it's true. It says a recent study um, found that when a person becomes obese, the chances that a friend will become obese increases by 57%. And siblings of people who put on weight have a 40% chance risk and their spouses increase by 30%. Uh, 37%. So who we choose to spend our time with matters. Um, Thankfully, this applies to positive habits as well as negative. So if you're struggling with um, smoking, um, if you've got a friend who's quit smoking, hang around with them. They'll develop strategies and things that um, you could put into practice. If you're trying to spend less time on your phone, hang around with someone who doesn't get it out every 10 minutes, which is actually the, uh, looked up some statistics about that, which I'll come back to. But I think the average is we pick it up every 11 minutes. Um, We're all trying to become more like Jesus. And sometimes we find that um, Christian discipleship deals with what you need to know rather than who you need to be with. And I think this is key because if we get the relationships right, then the information Um, that we need to know will follow. If we connect people into a gospel community, they learn the right things. Small groups are in fact where most of the theology that's taught on a Sunday morning gets fleshed out in our conversations and our actions. So if we want to see our relationship with Jesus deepen, we should be prepared to wrestle with the things that are talked about on Sundays in our small groups. Um, I thought that this is just a little aside, but I thought it might be helpful when we're thinking about how we discuss things in small groups and um, our um, communication styles. So one of the ways that we can look at this in small groups is whether we're internal processors or external processors. Um, external processors think out loud, so they no filter on the um, right-hand side. They love brainstorming sessions because they get to work through their ideas with other people, will often talk themselves through their tasks. Without an understanding of the importance of that in a discussion, others can find themselves too, uh, find them too chatty or think they're flighty as every thought gets put into words and they seem unable to settle on one. Um, and then sometimes this then Leads to other people jumping in and offering fixes or solutions before the external processor has even organized their thoughts. Um, or if they're a leader, the group might think that every comment is a directive and spend a lot of time accomplishing ideas and tasks that weren't fully baked. Um, internal processes uh, likely have been quiet, have been called quiet. Through their whole life, they prefer meetings to have a clear agenda in advance so that they can get their thoughts together and need to have um, time alone with their ideas so they can understand them. So I like that. Yes, I talk to myself. Sometimes I need expert advice. Um, Unless other people um, understand what's happening, internal processors can discover that others take their silence as personal or um, that others don't see them as a team player or part of the group because they don't jump into the fray with their ideas but often internal um, processes are the um, team or group members that attend the next meeting wanting to talk about all of the things that you talked about the last time because now they've had a time to think through them. Um, you can see how going through the material on Sundays at Life Group could be messy, but it is fruitful. People who are external processors definitely need it, and internal processors need to hear other people's experiences before they're able to articulate what their own are. So next time you're in a Life Group and you hear someone going, well, I think it could mean that, or it could mean that, or what about when it was like this, and John said that, um, and you're sitting there going, I just wish they'd be quiet. Um, they're probably externally processing. Okay, so um, interestingly, in the New Testament and actually through most of the Bible, there are almost no circumstances described where people are living out their faith in isolation. Um, and in fact, um, I was talking about this with Beth this morning and we came to the conclusion that really the only people who lived out their faith in isolation that weren't um, doing things with their family or a community of other believers were the prophets and they had a pretty hard time. So if you want to be like the prophet and prophets and live in isolation without having the support of a small group, that's probably one of the only times where it's, uh, it's going to be a calling from the Lord. Otherwise, um, most of the Bible is based around people living together in community and sharing their lives. Nobody in the Bible says, I love Jesus, I just don't like the church or I just don't like religion or I don't like other Christians. Um, and I have heard loads of people say this, but I think if you do say this, you are we are cutting ourselves off from something that Jesus really loved um, because to love Jesus is to love the church. Oh, I've got my, oh, there we go. Um, and other Christians around you, no matter how similar they are to you or not. So life groups teach us how to do this. Uh, Sorry, we will come back to that one. So how do life groups cause us to grow inwardly, not in a navel-gazing, kind of closed-minded sense, but towards the centre, in this case, um, the church? The purpose of small groups is to develop um, community, or in other words, fellowship. So, the Greek word commonly translated fellowship, uh, which is koinonina, uh, and this is described in Acts um, 4.42 and in 1 John, it's really got no uh, equivalent in English, but it implies more than just kind of socializing uh, like a fellowship lunch, although that is brilliant. You should definitely sign up for the one that's happening next week after I'm finished talking. Um, And it's more than just chatting together at the back of church over coffee. Um, The word means holding our lives in common. Um, So a partnership, a communion, a close relationship. Um, To share or have a share in something, you've got a stake in the life of the church First century Christians demonstrated that meaning through spiritual, social, and material generosity like we've been looking at through the passage. And in the context of what we're looking at today, it means a common sharing of the grace and the blessings of God, a definition that comes close to the biblical um, idea of koinonia. Um, So this concept of fellowship is really important to understand and live out. In the early church, um, you can see there is a relationship between the warmth of heart towards God and the generosity towards each other. So close were the relationships in these early Christians that they did not see themselves as isolated individuals, but as members of one another. Within these communities, they gained strength and support and protection from the corroding influences of the world. Thus they were then prepared to go out and face anything that the devil might throw at them when they went out into the world. They were built up to go out and live the cause for Christ. The, co- the quality of relationships contrasts sharply with the faith of lots of... Um, Christians who sometimes, um, and I need to be careful, I want you to be listen to how I'm saying this because um, I am certainly not um, minimising this, but when we reduce our Christian life to just personal study, um, personal prayer and scripture and um, personal evangelism, these are of course important and form really the bedrock for our faith but we'd be mistaken to think that this is the only way to experience the Christian life. God has called us to grow in maturity in the body of Christ. We are called to attain the unity of faith. Here we go. And the knowledge of the Son of God growing up in every way into him who is the head, into God from whom the whole body joined and knit together by every joint with which is supplied. When each... With which is supplied when each part is working properly, makes bodily growth, and upbuilds itself in love. So, from Ephesians, um, this is what Paul is talking to the church and asking them to do. If we look closer at the text, it calls to mind where the church is described as the body of Christ. We, as Christians, have our own faith, but then we also have a faith that exists only when we are in community together. In 2020, when we're so individualized in our work and our society, we often forget the importance of our corporate relationships within the body of Christ. Christianity isn't really a solo flight. And healthy small groups or life groups, we're kind of going to use that term interchangeably, can offset the bias towards individualism that runs so deep in our culture. Life groups can help people learn to love each other in a way that exemplifies that New Testament lifestyle we've been looking at. And a loving community is a powerful tool and witness to the world. From the book of Acts, we get a glimpse of this effectiveness. uh, The corporate witness, um, and to use a a kind of English um, metaphor, the messianic community of the king broke into that first century life and was a foretaste of the kind of banquet table to come. Surely the lavish love that was expressed for um, one another in the early church was a sign and a wonder to unbelievers that was just as powerful as healing crooked legs. One of our friends in um, the village we live in had a baby a few years ago, and we organised a meal rota for her and her family. Um, Her mother, who had come down um, to help just literally couldn 't believe this it was almost embarrassed um, that people who lived in her daughter 's community would come um, and go out of their way to help her daughter. It is countercultural and the early church models this, and how were they able to live out this kind of closeness so they uh, it appears they kind of facilitated a common life through small groups uh, as the churches that met in homes um, and they were the basis for Um, small groups are the basis for a Christian community today and over the years we've been part of several churches and I've kind of seen that the the best churches the ones that are growing and living have a real thriving small group and healthy um, corporate life in Ephesians 4.2 Paul says be completely humble and gentle with one another in love And there's times that we get to do that on a Sunday. Um, We might be praying for each other, or you might talk to someone and say, how's your week been? And if it's quiet enough and there's been enough time, someone might say, actually, it's been a bit difficult. Um, Would you mind praying? But actually, on a Sunday, we usually go, great, yeah, fine, sorry, just got to run and get the kids, or sorry, I'm late for going to see my mum for lunch, or I'm just on my way out. And we don't have time to connect. So we can't love each other in the way that the Bible asks us to if we don't um, relate personally. And this is the point of life groups. They are where people can relate and can live out the gospel. And I think a lot of what we learn in the Bible is tested by being in a group of people that may at sometimes, rub us the wrong way, if not completely raw. They are where um, sometimes it is not pretty and often it's uncomfortable. Maybe their circumstances remind you of similar ones you've been through that you'd rather forget. Or maybe they challenge the cozy friendships that you've cultivated. And maybe the people in your life group are just not like you. But in small groups, we learn how to love the unlovely, thus fulfilling the command of Christ. We need to not be afraid of the time it takes to develop relationships Because for relationships to grow, we need to show up. We're used to being able to get what we want pretty instantly. Before there were digital cameras, we would take a shot on our Kodaks, cross our fingers and hope that um, the person we were taking a picture of didn't have their eyes closed or that scary red-eyed thing that made them look like a slightly crazed monster. Um, Now I take a picture of my kids uh, and they want to see it before the flash has gone off. Um, we want a book or a costume for Egyptian Day and Amazon Prime delivers it to our door um, the next day. So don't get me wrong, I am the kind of mother who um, gives thanks for Amazon Prime on an almost daily basis. Um, one of the only things though we can't speed up in life is relationships. Um, we need um, to celebrate the exciting stuff and be there in the banal everyday stuff um, and everything in between and it's only then that we are truly known the highs and the lows and they're just kind of walking out there every day. Sure we can feel bonded to people more quickly um, than others but by being intentional about developing relationships we're demonstrating the love of Christ who went out of his way Uh, to show special love and support to those most vulnerable who needed him the most. And we only get that when we show up. Dan Wilt talks about embracing the awkward, um, that silence, that question, that comment we might not know exactly what to reply to. I was in a life group once where we uh, were meeting, we were um, talking about what the message was about on Sunday and one of the members blushed out, I'm not really sure I want to be a Christian anymore. And so that kind of derailed the whole evening. And we spent some time talking to her and listening to her. And uh, she did in the end still want to be a Christian, which was a, was a big relief. Um, but uh, if we hadn't allowed her that place in time, if we had just kind of gone, oh no, you know, what? of course you want to be a Christian. If we hadn't listened to her, um, who knows what would have happened. Um, we were with some friends last night and uh, we showed them the uh, shallow small group video and one of our friends did say do you know sometimes I really wish I could be part of that small group where I don't have to go down deep and because it's true sometimes we just don't want to go there it is too painful or it is too um, time consuming but Jesus never promises that these things won't be time-consuming or painful or awkward. He just says that it will be worth it. Jesus never felt awkward with his love. He just put it out there and made sure people knew that they could access it. I'm just going to put that one back up there so you don't have to stare at Josiah in an Egyptian costume. I didn't tell him that I was going to put that on there, so please don't say to him, (laughs) you made a great Egyptian. (laughs) Uh, sometimes we're the ones in need of special love and support to get us through different times. Uh, uh, some of, I was trawling through YouTube to find some suitable videos for um, today, and I did find one about like, how, uh, how, what member of life group are you, and they did say, in every life group there is a certain uh, weirdo, and if you don't know who that is, it's probably you. <laughs> um, so sometimes it's us. Um, And loving one another isn't just a good idea, it's one of Jesus' greatest blessings. Um, Fellowship is the garden uh, where the fruits of the Spirit multiply and it's the place where we are walking out heaven on earth. But I've definitely been in life groups before where I was in need of that special love and support. I don't think, at this stage of my life, um, I was brilliant company. My parents, um, who were on the other side of the Atlantic, had just announced they were splitting up and they left my siblings and I confused, angry and upset. um, And not being uh, present made it really difficult for me to know what was going on. Uh, My school had... uh, was just about to be inspected by Ofsted and these were the good old days where we had six weeks notice but we had had ours a week before the Christmas holidays so we had nine weeks of stress before it actually happened. Two of my best friends in London had uh, left that January were off in one was off in South Africa fulfilling the word of the Lord uh, and the other one was on a mission trip in Costa Rica Um, but they still had my house group um, I had been part of it for about three or four months before that. And I joined because my friend Ruth said, oh, you should come along. It's the highlight of my week. And I remember, I've been a Christian for a while, but I remember thinking like, wow, how could it be that good? But it was. And what was so good about it? Well, it, it, the food for one thing, I'm not going to lie. Uh, we always ate together. And, but for a lonely uh, singleton who was working full time, sharing a meal like a family was a really key part of my life. Um, But it was in those really sad times that my life group would text to check in how my week was going. Um, The leaders would ask if I wanted to come and hang out with their family at the weekend. And it was a safe place. I knew I could be vulnerable um, with asking for prayer for the same thing again and again. And now that I've got a family of my own, I think about the cost that probably was to them if they asking if they wanted, if I wanted to come and have uh, spend Saturday with them because I know what it's like I'm so busy with kids, but they opened up a spot in their lives um, and it really made such a difference. The life group wasn't just introspective either. we did lots of great material on things like spiritual gifts, missions and studies on the Psalms.) <coughs> And other times where life groups have come up trumps for me was after big life events like having a baby or when my dad died. In fact, there are some very dear friends in the room who made that happen. I can still remember almost 11 years ago um, how good those meals were. So uh, you can ask Lynn for her chicken and leek crumble recipe. It's a good one. Um, But it wasn't just the the flavour and the taste. It was because they were brought with no strings attached. They just love. They organised meals for us, sent flowers, cards and texts and made sure that we knew we were being cared for practically and in prayer. Joe shared last week about how a very real part of the Christian life is the disappointment that we go through, but it's so much more bearable than if we isolate ourselves and try to do it alone. If I was going through all of those things before alone and didn't have my church and life group family, then who, where else might I have turned to? Maybe my work colleagues or friends who didn't know Jesus. And I can only think of what kinds of solutions they might have offered me. Maybe escape through nights out or drinking or food or other temporary comforts. But they were there for me and that did help, um, help facilitate the healing progress. And life's, uh, lastly, life's groups can help us look outwards. So we do life groups or small groups or whatever it is that you call them. Uh, in our, uh, it's part of our DNA in the Vineyard Movement. In fact, John Wimber, who started the Vineyard Movement, started the first vineyard through what he called small groups. And he said, first, small groups provide one of the best places for evangelism A congenial atmosphere of friendly dialogue over the person and work of Jesus can produce high dividends and winning people. So for people who we want to know Jesus, bringing them to church might seem like a big deal. Let's be honest, it could be a pretty foreign environment for people who don't normally uh, attend church. (coughs) Excuse me. But if you ask someone to come over to your friend's house for a meal and a discussion about how we might learn how to talk to God better, that could be a lot easier. In fact, I'm going to give you a challenge, um, and your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to invite one person who doesn't currently come to church to the prayer course that you will be going to. Um, And if you don't ask, the answer is always going to be No. Um, I've got two people who live in our community who I'm planning to ask to our prayer course, and you can hold me accountable and ask me next week if I've done it. Um, and I've also got permission to be a little bit challenging in this last bit, because it's one we're going to look at some of the reasons why, despite all of these great things about being involved in a small group community, people don't go. So, why don't people go to life groups? Rather than shouting it out, uh, you can have permission, two minutes, to chat to each other and uh, come up with a couple of reasons why you think, uh, it doesn't have to be personal, but generally, why don't people go to live groups? Go ahead. Okay. So, I've got time. Michael's told me I need to keep an eye on the time. So, I've got time to hear two or three, the loudest person. What's one reason people don't go to life groups? Oh, now you're all quiet. <laughs> Any reasons you can think of why don't people go to life groups? Time, yeah, busy time. Other reasons? Yeah, bad experiences, absolutely. Um, too busy, not enough. Mark? Babysitters, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> not trying to tell us anything. Uh, yeah, so um, just access to childcare. And these are definitely, um, they are definitely... Katie. Okay, okay well, we're going to solve that one this, um, this morning. Thanks, Katie. Um, so yeah, that's, those are the things that I had written down. So too busy, bad experiences, there's not one in my area, um, and time. So, um, babysitters, um, I think that we could probably come up with some creative solutions. So, um, if babysitting is um, a barrier to you getting to life group, come and talk to me and I will come and help you with, um, I might not come and babysit myself, but um, I will help you. (laughs) I can babysit for you, David, no problem. Um, I can help you. We We can find some solutions for that. Some um, people, some life groups go meet every um, other week instead of um, every week because they recognise that getting a babysitter four weeks in a month is really hard, but two weeks might not be. Um, Thankfully, in terms of locations, we've got lots coming up um, and lots that we can help invest in. Um, And I just want to end with this. Today, where Beth and I were um, getting some breakfast ready, um, she shared a really lovely picture about life group being like a coal fire. Um, when the pieces are kept together, the embers keep glowing and they keep one another hot. But you take a call out of the fire and it really quickly cools down. And we don't have to stretch that too far to think about um, how our walk with Jesus. If we want it to be hot and on fire for the Lord um, and loving one another, we need to stay together. So today in the ministry time there'll be a chance to respond for those of you who might feel like you've been let down um, in those small groups. Maybe you've tried to join in and been hurt or felt like you didn't fit in. Um, Maybe you had one of those big life events and nobody did anything. Um, God wants to heal and restore you today so that you do feel brave enough to join in and be part of community again. I'm just going to finish there.
0: okay why don't we stand together thank you Laura for sharing that's wonderful really practically there are about 17 life groups available this term and we are each every single one of them for this term is running a course called the prayer course and you can go online or you can get information at the back and you can sign up for one of them and there's pretty much a group near most places um, we're also there's one that isn't on the uh, on the system yet, but um, Tom and Tess are hoping to run that in Andover, so if you live over that way, um, there's one there as well. Come and chat to us afterwards if you want to know more about that. Um, so, But I think that some we're just, just towards the end there, touched on something which uh, perhaps is, um, is an issue for some people, where we've been in the group and for whatever reason it hasn't worked out. And just as Laura said, why don't we just close our eyes, why don't we just reflect... And just open our hearts to God. And I just sense, we sense this morning as we were praying that the Lord wanted to bring hope. And for some people, you have experienced the group and it hasn't been a great experience. And maybe that's put you off. Maybe you've been with some of God's people who are a bit challenging. And for whatever reason, that's put you off signing up. Maybe I reckon there may be some people here who, whether consciously or unconsciously, have just made a little sort of, I don't know, maybe it's a vow or a promise inside that says, I'm not going to go there again. Or I'm not going to let my guard down again or it 's just too challenging or too tricky being with people and i don 't want to i don't want to go to that vulnerable place again and I just sense that the Lord by his holy Spirit and this is nothing that we want to do to you, but I just sense that God might want to do something about that and if you 're somebody and you know that that 's something that you 've thought about or said or in the or decided in the past that actually god 's people are just too tricky to be around and it 's just it doesn 't feel safe or it doesn 't feel comfortable or there 's just something not quite write about it um, and I just I would love you if that's if, if that's who you are we would, well, firstly we'd love to pray for you but I just want to invite the Holy Spirit to come and minister to that place so Holy Spirit thank you that you know us and Lord some of us feel very vulnerable when it comes to this area of uh, small groups and uh, meeting with people and some of us feel for, for lots of different reasons that actually we just prefer to do our our faith in the public space like this in the big meeting and yet, yeah, actually, Lord, there is that sense in which being with your people in the small setting is such a blessing and so fruitful. And so for those of us who are feeling challenged or hurt or disappointed or frustrated about that, would you come now, Holy Spirit, and would you lift that off? We welcome your presence, Holy Spirit, and we open ourselves up to you. We open ourselves up to you, knowing that you can minister to hurt and healing, that you can help us to release forgiveness, that you can bring us to a healthy place and a safe place. Lord, where there is stuff going on for us, come and minister those places. We pray. I'm just going to wait. We welcome your presence, Holy Spirit. I'm just going to wait. I think there's more that the Lord wants to do this morning and in a moment I'm going to give you a chance to respond if you'd like to receive some prayer if you'd like to just respond to what God is saying or doing if something's resonating in your heart I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond just by coming forward and we'd love to pray for you and I think there are other things that the Holy Spirit wants to do here as well this morning as I look around I sense his presence I can just see his peace resting on a number of people. And as we spoke about earlier, for some of us, God just really wants to restore hope. Maybe there's a particular situation that has been troubling you. We'd love to stand with you in prayer about that. and We'd love to pray God's blessing on you. Not necessarily to pray for you completely, but to pray with you and empower you in that situation. Maybe there's a physical or an emotional healing issue. Maybe that you're suffering or struggling with something. And again, if you've come with a need this morning,